Hello, and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Braintree and HelpSpot. I'm Simone de Rochefort, video producer at Polygon.com, and I am joined, as always, by Christina Warren, senior writer at Gizmodo, and Brianna Wu, uh, denizen of the hellscape at a university somewhere, I imagine, <laughs> in the Midwest. I'm just going to imagine the Midwest. No, no, no. I'm in Canada, actually. Canada? So, Ooh, Midwest what Canada? Part of Canada? Yeah. Uh, I'm at uh, the University of Waterloo. Uh, I gave a talk at Google yesterday yeah. about okay, so you five. Are, um, yeah, so you are in the Midwest, Canada. Sorry, go on. You you were giving sort of, a no, talk no, at yeah, Google. I guess it is. I I have to be honest. I don't know Canadian geography that well. I never really. What spent about much global geography, Brianna? Right. I'm sorry. It's I'm okay. Sorry. It's I went okay. to Mississippi Public Chris, Schools. Brianna don't has been me. educating the the youth for two days. And he, now she's blessing us with her presence to educate us. That's true. Uh, she That's true. is also uh, the head of development at Giant Space Cat. For those of you <laughs> listening to this show for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. What's so, Giant Space so, Cat? Um, Brie, what were you giving your speech on? Sorry, I cut, I cut you off. No, before no, you no. Say. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, you know, the thing is, uh, Google, you know, Google does some things really well, right? Like, they do well at coming up with... Um, really big ideas and putting a lot of infrastructure behind it and kind of making it happen. So, um, you know, some of the stuff uh, a lot of us have been asking uh, Google to do for a while, you know, really obvious things to me, like, you know, rate stories from the New York Times as more important than, say, Encyclopedia Dramatica. You know, uh-huh. It was like a, a list of things like that. What, really? That I'm hoping, yeah, for real. Uh, if you look at, it's it's a, you can see it too, the, the thing when it comes out. But yeah, it's just a, a list of five things. Um, I've been trying to lobby for Google to change to kind of, you know, make online a little bit less harassment-tastic. <laughs> so that's why I was giving a talk on it, Google. Yay, that's really cool. Well, we have so much to go over today because, as you all know, we recorded last week on Wednesday, the day before the Apple event. We decided to devote that episode to Microsoft, let them have their moment in the spotlight, and now we are picking up that slack by talking about (laughs) every single thing that uh, happened Apple-related and boob-related in the last week. Just wait for that Easter egg. It's going to be a good one. Well, I guess it won't be an Easter egg. It's a pair of Easter eggs. I meant it was a cherry on top of the Sunday that is this episode. The creamy, soft Sunday that is this episode. Okay. Wow. Okay. Wow. Someone's had wow. a long day. It was me. It was me. I think it was all so of us. So the Apple yeah. event, uh, November, wait, October, October. It was October, October 27th. God, we're only two days into November. The October Apple event uh, focused largely, as we all know, on the MacBook Pro refresh, the long-awaited yep. MacBook Pro refresh with some Apple TV news thrown in there as well. Now, I did. I was not able to watch it as it was happening. What did you guys think of like the tenor of the the, pre- the presentations? Um, it was it was Apple, right? Yeah. Like there's a style we're all used <laughs> totally. to at this point, right? Um, it was neither good nor bad. It was exactly it was the okay. McDonald's I, I hamburger. I to differ because of, remember yes, that one yes, time when Tim yes. Cook talked about privacy and it made me cry. That's true. That That's true. Pretty. That was a power. And remember when there was, was a robot that built things? Uh, no, it took things. Oh, it took apart. things apart. It took things apart. It built a yeah. road into my heart. So. Yeah, this was not that. Okay, uh, that's fine. So 
my, my, my favorite headline that the Gizmodo did, it was, was not my one about how I, you know, stroked the, the, the touch bar and liked it. Um, <laughs> and, and do- talked about how that was velvety smooth. If that was the, the Facebook prompt. Um, that wasn't that it was, it was a Alex Kranz, a reviews editor. She wrote of the, the Apple TV news and just wrote Apple invents TV. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. Holy oh crap. So, yeah, so the Apple TV news, I guess we can hit first since we're going to be spending yeah, a lot wait, of time wait, talking wait, about wait, the Hold MacBook. on, Simone. We can't, just, we can't just skate past this. The, Christina, I have to say, I liked your work at Mashable, but that headline by you about... <laughs> I mean, it is like, it is like such a great fit for your writing. It is, I just, I couldn't even believe that. Like I wrote that and I read your piece and I was just like, thank you, Christina Warren. You are making journalism a better place in 2016. (laughs) Totally. Um, Touched for the very first time. Uh, That was the deck, right? It was. Yeah. I I, I touched for the first time and uh, I, I just stroked. I, I just stroked the new MacBook Pro's touch bar. A uh, touch for the first time was the studio. Was the studio uh, Surface Studio post? Okay. Um, so oh oh yeah. Oh ba- yeah. Duh. Back to back days, though. I had the double entendres, um, and I'm proud of myself. Um, but yeah, no. So moving the Apple TV stuff. Basically, they're going to be trying to solve the discovery problem of how hard it is to find what you want to watch across different services. And so it'll sort of tie into the single sign-on, um, which is still slated to come for December. Um, it's not specifically tied to that, but it, it's associated. So the idea, the single sign-on feature with Apple TV, that was supposed to already have launched, and, and that was delayed um, from what I've heard because they've had problems getting some of the cable companies, the, the, the cable providers on board. They're going to get them on board, but um, some of those people have been holding their feet. That, that's what I've heard from people who actually work at the, the cable companies. Um, and so uh, the idea would be, you know, you, your apps know what content you, you have access to. So Apple, the TV app is what it's called, will literally just show you stuff that you are available to access. So you have a Hulu subscription. If you've got it in your library, if you are authenticated to watch things, you know, through ABC or through Fox or whatever, um, Simone, you're going to be really, HBO for, go. really, 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 HBO go. <laughs> Simone, you're gonna be so excited about, about being, uh, my, my little sister. Um, uh, I'm so on, glad on my that account. your mom adopted me and put me on your optimum yeah. account. <laughs> It, to- totally. Uh, and and, and, and my, my, my friend Isabel, I'm sure, is going to feel the same way. But the idea is that basically it'll kind of cure, kind of be a combination of things that are surfaced, I think, from those apps themselves that want to show things off, but also human curators at Apple that will be able to um, highlight things that you should watch. Um, the big downside, and, and this, you know, they, they didn't mention what partners are actually on stage. They did show off in some of the demos. Um, and, the, and these aren't finalized partners, obviously, but they did show off, you know, companies like HBO Go and Showtime and Hulu and Stars and, you know, Fox and some of those companies. Notably absent is obviously uh, Netflix. And that's that's a really huge And still hole. Amazon Video, but that's well, not a Amazon change. Video does, Amazon yeah. Video doesn't have an app, so that's, that's missing clearly. But that's – at this point, I know a number of years ago when I spoke with high, high up people at Amazon, they expressed to me how much they wanted Amazon video to be on Apple TV. Mm-hmm. I think that they I have to think that their priorities have shifted given the success of the Fire TV stick and given kind of their own 
um, entries into uh, their own original content mm-hmm. and the fact that they don't even list the Apple TV on Amazon store. You can't even buy an Apple TV from Amazon. <laughs> hardball um, on Amazon.com. Which, they, they, you know, well, yeah, but it's actually that's that's a real way to play hardball. So, I mean, you know, they, they promote Roku and they promote some of the other devices. They do not promote, um, you know, um, and Android TV or Apple TV. Um, but, you know, um, so Amazon, I wasn't expecting. Um, and that's obviously a miss. You can always you can still airplay from your Amazon thing. But that's obviously a miss. The bigger miss, though, obviously, the big hole would be Netflix. And Netflix has said. And to some publications, they said, you know, we're not going to be there at launch, but we're evaluating the opportunity. So it's possible that Netflix could show up. But, and I want to get you guys' take on this. I mean, the whole idea, and I like the idea a lot. I think it's really smart. I'm, I'm one of those people who subscribes to a number of different services. I obviously have the cable subscription, but I also subscribe to other streaming services too. And it's always really difficult to figure out what you want to watch. And universal search works pretty well. But that's not enough because a lot of times you don't want to think about what do you want to watch. You just want to see suggestions yeah. and you want to have recommendations. So I really like the idea of having something that's there and that's basically giving you that that lean back experience again that you used to have with a TV guide, you know, that you used to be able to just kind of channel surf. I love having that back. My, my question for you guys is, you know, when you exclude um, – and, and I, I, I have no inside knowledge on this, but I have to think with, with Netflix saying we are, will evaluate the opportunity that this is Netflix opting not to be part of it, especially since Netflix has been part of the universal search with the Siri on Apple TV, and you can also, you know, search Netflix on the Apple TV using voice. I have to think that, that Apple obviously would want to work with them, but I have to wonder, you know, Netflix is such a huge content source, even though, as we've discussed, the amount of content they have is is slowly getting smaller. Mm-hmm. Is it does, does not having that there, does that, like, severely in you guys' mind make the use case of of the app itself way less useful. I don't think it necessarily hurts the app itself. And I, I can kind of see, I, I honestly think it would just make people more annoyed with Netflix. And I, I feel like the reasoning behind Netflix doing this is, or I, I don't, I don't have any insider knowledge on this, but I know that they are focusing on their original content. And whenever you open the Netflix app, you get that original content advertised like right in your face with like big playing trailers, like on the Netflix, like the, the, the homepage, if you will, when you open the app. And I suppose that they might lose some of that if you were searching through a third-party app. But on the other hand, like having your catalog just accessible to everyone who will be using the TV app, because if you have an Apple TV, obviously you're going to be using it if you subscribe to a bunch of TV services. Like that does seem like it would be a downside, but I don't think it's necessarily, I mean, it obviously is a loss for Apple, but I think it's more of an annoyance uh, for customers uh, who will judge Netflix for it. Yeah. Will they judge I, I Netflix to, or will they judge Apple? I think they'll judge Apple. And, you know, I feel like, um, you know, obviously the MacBook Pro got the majority of the news out of this event. I, I, thought the apple tv news was some of the sexiest uh apple had out of the oh, you event know I, I love compiling media libraries together you know that's my jam <laughs> no it's, <laughs> it's i mean it does it's a it's a really big problem christian my use case is like yours right like i'll go to apple tv shows i'll see what new shows they're recommending um i think that's a really big chance for some of this um you know content on all of these new channels like you know the way that people tried to launch video services today um you know one tactic for it is, um, you know, to 
basically create a channel of videos there. And they have some awesome ones on Apple TV, like ones about design. Uh, they're 100% about like design thoughts and graphic design and mechanical design. Um, it's cool. Like that could potentially be featured up there where you'll find it because you're never going to go into that app and like search around. So I, I think you're right, Christina, that Netflix not being there is going to be, um, it's going to be a huge pain because I'm sure I'm not the only one that like looks through Apple TV content, like iTunes content, and then goes over to Netflix and so nothing is going to change there. But at least the Hulu stuff will be listed along with that as well. Is, is HBO going to be listed? Is that correct? Um, I mean, they haven't announced them okay. yet, but I can say based on the demos I saw, the both Hulu and HBO were there. And, and, and again, I mean, HBO has been – HBO now, if you recall – launched on apple tv first there was an exclusive window on apple tv where it launched literally um and this was this was the old apple tv before they even had the new one it literally when they announced their cord cutting service it was on apple tv i think it was like a, a two or three week window so i would be shocked beyond uh, I, you know what they haven't officially announced it. apple hasn't officially announced it i will go ahead on record and say absolutely HBO Go and HBO Now will be there. That's fantastic. You know, HBO, I've found it since like getting into Westworld, like that is a service that I think is definitely worth the money. So oh, I don't there really, are so yeah, many yeah. shows on HBO. There are. There I'm are. still it's excited awesome. about this Simone. like three yeah. weeks later. No, I honestly, I have so much trouble already searching Netflix and trying to find things because I, I'm not a huge fan of their browse function and it seems like every single time I think of something or remember something that I want to watch I look on Netflix and it's not there like if they want they should have a better library they should fix their library first of all and they I mean I don't see how they would truly lose out by being in a mishmash with everyone else except that they won't get those like proprietary trailers for their shows showing on every page. They wouldn't lose out. And I think they could still, I mean, I bet Apple would probably give them their own kind of area to even curate their own stuff because that's the thing. I mean, some of it is your own suggestions, but some of it would be things that, you know, the the service itself would maybe want to surface. And they would still be able to do that. I mean, Gruber's take, and, and I think he's probably right, is that they kind of don't need to. People automatically, when you click on, the, or, uh, you know, swipe on the, the Netflix icon on the Apple TV, you see the hero art that Netflix has chosen that's promoting whatever shows they want. And and usually that stuff, you know, on your home screen is, you know, their original series, but sometimes they show other stuff too. Um, I mean, I think that it's weird. Netflix used to have a, used to have the philosophy and this is how they got so big where they literally wanted to be on every platform. Like the, the, the joke when I used to write about, um, and I still do, obviously, but, but, you know, this is like many years ago when I would write about like connected devices was, well, of course, Netflix is on it because Netflix was on everything. Uh, now Netflix has become a lot more more choosy about who they'll support. And and and, and I think that's partly because they they want to control the experience, you know, like they like the Netflix Apple TV interface, for instance, is very similar to the Roku interface, which is very similar to the Fire TV interface, which is very similar to the Android TV interface, which is very similar to, you know, um, the interface that Netflix has on my Hisense uh, 4K TV. You know, Netflix controls that experience. And so I, I guess that they would want to kind of see what's in it for them. And, and also, yeah, they might not want to be mixed in with some of the other content. Um and have the opportunity for people to not spend 
all of their viewing time on Netflix. But I, I think fundamentally it it would it, it doesn't hurt them. Uh, I do think it hurts Apple because people are going to blame Apple. They're going to be like, why does the TV app not show the service that that everybody knows for content? Um, I don't know that I would though. I would think, why didn't Netflix opt into this? Thing. But you, like, but you understand how this works. I'm talking about isn't like regular that kind people. of like an obvious thing. Like no, I okay. I, I don't think. I mean, maybe it is. Maybe I'm wrong. I personally think though that most average consumers are going to look on this and go, "Why isn't Netflix here?" And they're not going to say, "Oh, Netflix didn't allow it to happen." They're going to be like, "Apple screwed up." It, you know, it's the same way that you know if an app isn't available. I mean, like people blame Apple for Amazon not being on the Apple TV. Um, and it used to be Apple's fault. Now I think it's probably, you know, a little bit of both. But, but um, you know, I, I don't know. I, 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 I think that Netflix is not in any sort of position to I think it's different, lose. though, just because the Netflix app is there. It is on the Apple TV. It's just not in the TV app. I don't know. We'll see, I guess. We'll see when we'll the... See. We'll I don't see. know. It'll, it'll be it'll be out in December. Um, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. It's also actually going to be out for the iPad, which is cool. Um, and um, on the iPad, it kind of replaces the existing videos app. So your first screen on the iPad will still be all the videos that you've purchased and all of your own stuff. Um, but there will be an additional way to browse content. And the cool thing on the iPad is obviously, again, you know, it'll automatically launch into those apps and even resume playback. So they're they're doing really cool stuff with deep linking of apps um, that we haven't seen first party from them, frankly. And, and I think that that's exciting. So, Oh my God, um, if my I'm, iPad weren't like five or six years old, that might actually be useful to me. So can we talk about the, uh, you know, the MacBook pro part of the event? First, can I tell you that this episode of rocket is brought to you by Braintree code for easy mobile payments. And by next year, maybe even next week, there could be a whole new way to pay. Maybe it'll be the next Bitcoin or the next Apple Pay, maybe even both. Fortunately, Braintree's full-stack payment platform is easily adaptable to whatever the future holds. So you can easily adapt, too. Accept everything from Pounds to PayPal to that next big innovation from any device with just one integration. And when that new payment method comes out, all you have to do is update a few lines of code. Braintree's code is elegant with clear documentation. It supports Android, iOS, and JavaScript clients. And there are SDKs in many languages, .NET, Node.js, Java, Perl, PHP, Python, Ruby... So you'll have no late nights, no complicated recoding, no stress about staying ahead of the curve. Braintree Payments is here to help. Check out braintreepayments.com slash rocket. Once again, that's braintreepayments.com slash rocket. Thank you so much to Braintree for your support of Rocket and Relay FM. So before before like we get to your review, Christina, I mean, can we talk about the the event itself? Because I think we've got to talk yeah. about you know like what they announced, but also I, there's so many parts of the story to deconstruct. There's the event, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's the, the event, backlash, there's the announcements, and then there's the huge backlash. Right. Oh my god! And and also, frankly, that's it's the fact that you only you know reviewers are only given the model without the touch bar, which is For now. interesting. Which, yes. Yeah, it, so it really is. Um, I mean. Well, I, I mean, that will presumably change. Um, but, uh, you know... Um, the touch bar one no, isn't shipping till quite a bit later. It's not. It, it's shipping right? in four to five weeks. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I imagine... I mean, I we don't know yet, but but I imagine that you'll probably start to, in a few weeks, you know, um, see, see the reviews of the touch bar. We got hands-on time with the touch bar um, af- after the event. And 
um, we, uh, you know, we were seated with review units of, of the basic one, but, um, but that's, that's a weird, and that's a weird product too. We'll talk more about that, um, in another segment, but, um, you know, the, the, you know, the new MacBook Pro itself, I would love you guys' feedback, um, cause I don't want to talk too much. What did you think about what they announced? Like, I'm was not buying this... one. I'm not buying You're one. You're not buying I don't... one. I don't, well, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to wait until I see the artist review of the one that's really maxed out. And by the way, Rocket listeners, I'm sorry my voice is hoarse. I have been talking to crowds for literally two days straight. So sorry about that. Um, Yeah, it's uh, the GPU is the biggest concern for me, right? Like I don't really, I have a Mac Pro for processor time. Um, So the GPU in this doesn't really look like a really huge upgrade. It's a very nice GPU. Um, but like, do I think it's gonna really run? Um, do I think it's gonna be able to do Unreal Engine stuff, uh, dependably? And the answer is just simply no. Um, now maybe the Arch review is gonna come out. It's gonna be different, but you know, this is a MacBook Pro, the top end 15, that's really coming with a lot of compromises, right? Like I understand the complete move to USB-C. Uh, I'm a big USB-C advocate, but, you know, there are a lot of, like, my solid-state drives, my external solid-state uh, SSDs aren't going to work with that. Yep. External microphones aren't going to work with that. My digitizers aren't going to work with that. You know, for a machine that's calling itself a pro, um, it it's hard to not feel a little bit frustrated at, you know, this yeah. extreme well, yeah, choice. It's a yeah. downgrade no matter how you look at it because I'm on my uh, 13-inch MacBook Pro right now. You know, I have two Thunderbolts, two USBs, USBs SD, HDMI. Or, yeah, HDMI, and an SD card reader, and the 15-inch. Oh, no, you don't have you don't have HDMI, but you have the yeah, other, I do. Sorry, yeah, you I have do. HDMI on your 13-inch. Yeah. Oh yes. Okay. Sorry. I'm looking sorry. at it. Oh, um, no, that's interesting. Yeah. But yeah, so four four ports, four USB-C ports maximum, and that it's just it's well, not enough. Thunderbolt I've, well, the Thunderbolt three backed USB C, so that that is an important distinction. I mean, and, yeah, and, and sure. I'm but not, if I'm, I'm plugging, not, like, say, I mean, if I'm streaming from this laptop right now, and I have a mic and a webcam and an Elgato hooked up, that's already too many things for my no, ports. Well, well, you should be able to daisy chain is the idea. So, so, and, and and again, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying this to say that you're wrong. Just I think I think their idea behind this is that you can literally More powerful for instance, ports, therefore daisy chaining. Yeah, it's right. Because still, I mean, it's, it's it, it well, it's forty gigabytes uh, transfer speed, so it's actually considerably faster. So one of those ports could literally power, you know, on the fifteen inch two five K displays. So you know, one 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 in each you know thing. You you could daisy ch- you well okay not two five Ks but two four Ks. Um, five Ks would have to be plugged in separately, but you know you would have to daisy chain it, but you would be able to. Assuming you didn't, ha- you're going to be in dongle hell, which yes, is the problem. This is where we but enter dongle you, hell. Yeah, you're going to be in dongle hell. Um, but you know, the idea would be you could have you know your um, one thing plugged in and then have you know something plugged into that and something plugged into that, and you know it, it would all be powered off the same single port. Well, and since we're going to be in dongle hell anyway, why not? Yeah, I think it's really telling that Apple's fastest you know product category now is dongles, right? Um, yeah. You know, I think it's, I really appreciate the Verge's um, review, which we're going to get to in a bit with yours, Christina, but I think there's a really good question here that they were asking. And it's like, well, who is the pro for a MacBook Pro? Because if you're a, a Photoshop person, you know, they don't make, um, you know, a machine where you can use a stylus on the, the top of it, like a Surface, right? So, you know, right. it's it's not for illustrators, 
or, or, or Photoshop people. If you do that, it's not for you if you use a, a digitizer because you can't plug it in. Um, you know, okay, video editors. Um, well, you know, they showed some new things you can buy that are compatible with that. But, you know, is it going to work with your existing equipment? Mm, probably not. Um, if you're a 3D artist like I am, you know, they are putting a GPU in it that's powerful enough to, you know, um, you know, to do the hoarseness unreal. of your voice yeah. just makes this sound so tragic. I'm sorry, this is I'm like the sorry, saddest Simone, thing I've ever listened to. I've been to. shouting for no, days. No, it's okay. Yes, no, yes, no, yes, yes. no, no, exactly I mean, why I'm I having think, surgery in a few weeks. Yeah, so, I, I totally. Yeah, 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 yeah because um, people want to buy your voice too much. Yes, yeah, I totally. Yes, yes. For me, the position I'm in right now is, I guess. From my from my personal laptop, I'm sure for my work it'll be different. I'm, I'll get an upgrade eventually. But for my personal laptop, I'm not seeing an upgrade path that I want from my 13 inch MacBook Pro. Um, which like it, it would be the the MacBook Pro the the 13 the new 13 inch MacBook Pro would be fine, but I think it's more than I want to spend at this moment for sure. what I do and. Plus the added like needing to buy all these dongles, which I don't want to do for a laptop that that I use just for my personal use in my everyday life. Um, like needing to buy something to charge my phone on it, yeah. things like that, et cetera, et cetera. Which is or plug in my mic to it for recording this podcast, which mm-hmm. I'm doing right now. Uh, just things like that, and it's and I don't want a MacBook Air. I don't really like the airline. I don't want a plain old well, MacBook dead. because they're too the f- I they feel like I would sit on it and kill it. I want. My 13-inch MacBook Pro. <laughs> and well, this is such a silly, like, complaint to have because obviously we wanted new MacBooks because they hadn't been refreshed in so long. And we now, wanted innovation and now they're innovating, yeah, but they now don't like changes. the way they're innovating. Things like, have we changed. We wanted them to change. We, I mean, and I think that you make great points and, and I can't argue with any of them. The one thing I would say, I mean, I think that this is going to be one of those situations and we saw it with the Mac Pro a little bit, right? Is in in that's maybe a bad example because they've done a really bad job keeping up with the Mac Pro. But I mean, I think the idea was based. I think the idea is basically going to be for a lot of professionals because I do think that they are still aiming this at professionals. But I think for a lot of professionals, they're basically saying you're going to have to move your equipment and everything over, and it's going to be painful the same way you know when Apple got rid of SCSI and when they got rid of FireWire and when they got rid of, you know, other stuff um, and forced people to, to make compromises, they're making forcing people to make compromises. I do fundamentally think, though, that for everyone, even though it's going to take time and it's going to be annoying and you obviously don't want to do it in one fell swoop, so you're going to have to be in this dongle hell, eventually it will be better to have Thunderbolt 3-based SSDs. Why? Because you will have external drives that are considerably faster than even the stuff inside, okay? Because you, for the first time, have the potential to have I.O. on the outside that is actually faster than what you can even have directly to the CPU um, or to the logic board. So I think that, that that's, that's a good thing. I think having super fast SSDs is is a good thing. I think having the ability to have such high throughput so that you can have a 5K external monitor, so you can have an external GPU, so you can daisy chain a lot of these devices and it'll be able to draw power from it as well, will eventually be really good for people's workflows. In the short term, and the short term could last a while, it's going to suck. But I do think that moving to you know USB-C slash Thunderbolt 3 um, is a good move. And I think that it's Apple's not alone in, in making that decision. Now, a lot of other, most other companies, because they have different, they they prioritize different things, will at least still give you a standard USB 
you know, port and, and they might give you some, you know, a, a mini display port or something. But, um, and, and, and I think that you could make the argument that Apple should have thrown people a bone and said, okay, here are the four, you know, Thunderbolt three ports, but we're also going to give, you know, two USB, um, three ports and, and, in in a, you know, um, a, a mini display. I mean, I, or maybe not a mini display. I could understand that maybe dropping that since, you know, Thunderbolt three is what's backing this, but maybe have you one know, USB at least your S- USB three. Right. Like you need that for Oculus, right? Um, so right. Yeah. I mean, you can get adapt. I mean, again, you all this stuff will work, but you're going to have to get dongles. I do think though that eventually, what's going to happen is that all the equipment you're buying, all the accessories you're buying, are going to be designed to work with this. So the next time, obviously, you don't need a microphone now, but the next time you buy a microphone, Simone, it'll be USB C. The next time you're getting, you know, the next Oculus revision, I almost guarantee you will be USB C or will at least have an option to connect USB C. I already you know, dropped ne- my Yeti microphone on concrete though, and it's still going. So sure. Right. But I'm not saying now, and this is why this is the painful part, right? This is the painful part of making these sorts of transitions, but this is a transition. And I think that for the first time in a long time, it's actually really good that Apple is making this transition because they're making it at the same place you know the rest of the industry is making this pace is making this transition too is apple doing it faster yes is that frustrating for people who are already so invested in their own gear absolutely is this going to be really annoying i mean you're going to have to have a billion uh, you know like you know adapters yes but i do think that if you're if we look forward say 12 months it's going to look very different and instead you're going to be left with you know, an IO port that is a lot more flexible and ends up being potentially a lot better for people. Um, and that's at least the right direction if we're future proofing stuff. So I'm not I, defending. I totally there, see no your argument yeah. of that, Christina. I think I would say this though, you know, we we're on record here on rocket of supporting the move away from the headphone jack, right? I love us. I love uh, Bluetooth headphones, but that at least was a product that a lot of people out there already had that stuff in their home. If you look at the iPhone 7, I think it's very clear all these months after launch, I think it's very fair to say Apple has kind of bungled this launch. Yet to this day, the only you know, W1 chip-enabled headphones you can get for that are the Beats Solo 3 and the Beats Power Beats 3, uh, right. which just came out. Beats X are still not out, and AirPods are still not out, and they still haven't released that to a third party. So that situation's frustrating enough with the the phone, sure. and I do find myself frustrated with that on a pretty regular basis. Um, for USB C, you know, I've got an Android phone that's USB C already, and I've got the 12 inch MacBook, and I still don't have this stuff at my house to connect these dongles. So nobody has the we're not prepared for this at all so you're right in the long term it's fine but i feel no guilt whatsoever about sitting out a year until there's more stuff on the market yeah let me be very clear i don't i don't disagree with that take at all i think that that sitting out at least if not a year at least until they have the kb lake ships however long that will be i totally understand because that's without even getting into some of the limitations that you know, Intel surprised everybody with KB Lake. So, so for background for the audience, you know, KB Lake is, is the, the processor architecture, their seventh generation chips. And they came out in August. And the fact of the matter is, and I asked Apple about this, you know, I said, why are we not having KB Lakes in the new MacBook Pros? And the answer is they don't have the chips that we use because we use the low power chips, first of all, um, that, that used, you know, 
that they just aren't out. And then the quad cores, which they would use for the 15 inch are not out period. So those aren't out period and they don't have the low power ones. They also don't have the KB lakes that would work with the Iris pro graphics, the integrated graphics that they would want. So that would actually make the, the, the integrated graphics, which, you know, um, in Apple's own benchmarks seem like, you know, they're, they're a big improvement over what we saw before. Um, for, for people who have, you know, are getting the 13 inch models, um, they wouldn't be able to do that. And then, you know, People are complaining about the fact that the, the max RAM is still capped at um, 16 gigabytes, and and that's been discussed a lot. The bottom line is if they wanted to put 32 gigs in, they would have to use desktop RAM, which would draw a tremendous amount of power. There are two problems with this. One, you could potentially put a bigger battery in, but that would mean you would need a bigger power brick. There is a limit that the FAA has that says you can only have a power brick for your laptop that's 100 watts and no more. Um the the current you know they think the 15 inch MacBook is is fairly close to that so they would go over that 100 watt limit and Apple's not going to sell a laptop that has a power brick that the FAA won't let you take on an airplane if you want to talk about the the laptops that have 32 gigs of RAM and you look at those uh, power adapters most of them are like 150 175 watts okay so those aren't going on airplanes I mean people carry them on but they shouldn't um, and you know, the, the bigger thing though, is the power draw. So even if you didn't have a bigger, you know, uh, let's say you were able to get it under hundred Watts, the power draw would be such, and we've, we've seen this with some of the, the Dells, um, that you would, you know, lose, you would be down to maybe three hours of battery life. And for some pros, they would take that, um, that trade-off. And I'm not saying that people wouldn't, I think that most people, when they're buying a laptop, especially a MacBook, would not be willing to make the trade-off, um, for, for, for the high memory constraint. Now I do hope that the, 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 some of the reports are true that they will be releasing, you know, KB Lake versions that have the higher RAM capacities in the spring. I hope that that's the case. And I hope that also by that time, maybe the dongle situation will be sorted out a little bit more and, 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 you know, at least you'll have, you know, adapters that work better and, and hopefully are cheaper, mm-hmm. but you're, you're absolutely right, Bree. that I think a lot of pros who've been waiting for, you know, I kept writing, you know, it's been 27 years since we got a new MacBook Pro. <laughs> People have been really waiting for this update and they see it and they like a lot of the features, but I can totally understand them saying, you know what, I'm going to wait and, and see how this pans out. And, you know, that's, that's, I think, a potentially a problem for Apple, but I don't think that it's necessarily like catastrophic either i think that if you want to wait yeah. i think i think i think if you want to make the decision to wait and, and and you know if you need a new laptop you need a new laptop but if you need to to wait that's okay i i've seen some of the backlash um we haven't even talked about the touch bar yet but we've seen some of the backlash <laughs> you know especially amongst the developer community where people are just like they're going full on they're not even saying i'm going to use windows they're like i'm going to go to linux and okay i'm going to laugh because the thing is, is that if you're like a front end or back end developer, you actually probably for your work would be completely fine going to Linux because you're always, you know, you're operating mostly from, you know, the, the command line and you're, you know, um, interfacing with back end systems and, and you're, you're writing, you know, scripts and, and that's completely fine. Um, but if you're doing anything, you know, um, obviously with what you do, Brie, you would need to use Windows or Mac. Um, you know, Linux is not going to be there for you. And anybody <laughs> who's have the graphics support. <laughs> no, not, maybe you complain about the, the, yeah. the Mac Mac support for Unreal. <laughs> oh like Linux God. is non-existent, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Steam. Uh, they've they've tried with SteamOS, but it's not there. And you know, when you talk about anybody who does any sort of you know front end stuff, uh, you know, 
um, obviously Adobe's not on Linux and, um, you know, Sketch isn't on Linux and you have a lot of other apps that just aren't going to be there. So I do kind of laugh at like the people who are like, there's like this project that Hacker News had up today where they're basically making it so you could natively open um, Mac OS binaries and Linux. And it's sort of, it's kind of similar to the, the Wine implementation. People are familiar with that. The thing is though, it doesn't work with GUIs yet. So what's the point? Okay, so you have a, a, a backend daemon like that. Okay, so who cares? Like top, I can run it's getting in Linux. His dark like, um, materials up in here. I mean, I'm just saying, like most, like it, it, it's it's right now seems sort of like a silly project. Now people are like, oh well, they'll they'll port over the the graphical stuff, and I'm like, yeah, you know, GNU Step has been trying to bring Cocoa to to Linux for a long ass time, and it it hasn't worked, and it probably will never work, but. You, it's funny to see sort of the backlash where people are so incensed about this 32 gigabytes thing. And I'm, I'm first of all, I'm kind of like, if you're a developer, and, and I'm not talking about a game or a graphics developer, but but like like a, a back end, you know, full stack person, I don't actually know how much of 32 gigs you need right now. Although I certainly understand the frustration of I've waited all this time and, and I'm getting something that that's not going to let me get as powerful as I wanted. I, I certainly understand that frustration, but I think most people don't actually need that much power. Um, but but my secondary laugh is I'm just like, okay, yeah, you go buy your System 76 rebadged Clevo piece of crap, humongous. <laughs> laptop you please you you buy that thing you you take that you love that um tell me how good that typing experience is going to be tell me how nice and mushy that keyboard is i know you love all those function keys because you hate that touch bar but tell me how good that is oh and talk to me about the battery life which is going to be non-existent so whenever you go to the coffee shop you're going to have to plug in oh and please talk to me about your screen which is not retina which is going to look like crap which is not going to have high color gamut oh and and again let's talk about the apps because you say that everything is fine and all i need is chrome and, and a um, command line but when it really comes down to it and you're like, I don't have, you know, text expander and I don't have, um, you know, dash and I don't have uh, sketch and I don't have, Slack. you know, insert thing here. Like, what are you going to do? Hey, you know what I want to tell you about? It's help spot. Another app. That is great. So if you deal with any kind of customer support, you need HelpSpot. It is the most comprehensive and flexible help desk software around. With HelpSpot, you can let your customers reach you however they choose, but not by dark magic. HelpSpot does not support dark magic. It does support <laughs> email, web, and phone, things like that, things that everyone uses every day. HelpSpot will be the central place for all of your customer support needs. You can turn disjointed email exchanges into meaningful conversations with your customers. No more of that strange copy-paste email reply crap. No, you have it all right there with HelpSpot. Get a quick view of any trends relating to your support requests. Your customers, they, they can't find the about page on your website. Why did you hide that thing within 10 layers of menus? They're filing tickets left and right. HelpSpot helps you track that trend so that you can see that you really need to redesign your website. What's wrong with you? Um, it includes real-time reporting so you can see exactly what is happening every second that the customers are on your website. You're watching them. You're tracking their trends. You are the HelpSpot master. HelpSpot can host everything for you, but you can also run HelpSpot on your own servers as well. You'll get source code access for custom branding, which is exactly what you want for your help portal. Let them know that you're the one. You're the one helping them out there. Um, Direct SQL apps eh, access, not absence, but access to write custom reports and extensive APIs for connecting to your other business systems. 
It is the best value in customer service, and they've been around for a super long time. Their current customers include startups and Fortune 500 companies, uh, like IT departments, call centers, customer service groups across all industries, using HelpSpot to help customers get the most out of whatever service it is that you're offering. Um, And they have super uncomplicated pricing that includes everything that you need for your little virtual help desks. Desk desks, plural, however many you have of those virtual help desks. I don't think there's a limit on them. With HelpSpot, you'll get unlimited tickets, mailboxes, custom fields, reports, and knowledge bases, all for one simple price with no hidden extras or complicated tiers. This isn't a cake-baking competition. This is HelpSpot. HelpSpot. We'll be there for you to help your website grow, help your business grow. No matter what, they will lighten the burden of customer support. They've been around. It's 12 years. I see now it's been 12 years that they've been around. They've been around for a while, and they're going to keep being around when you need them. It is free for up to three users and super inexpensive for larger teams. And and you'll get an additional 10% off for life when you use the code ROCKET when you sign up. So think about it. You're a healthy person because you're listening to Rocket, a, a show that is proven to boost your happiness and lifespan. You'll be around for a long time. So that 10% off for a life discount is a good deal, my friend. You're going to live forever. Um, go to helpspot.com slash rocket to start a trial today. Or sign up for a free one-on-one demo to learn more about how HelpSpot can help serve you and your support team. That, again, is helpspot.com slash rocket. And uh, the offer code rocket was for the 10% off for life. Dealio. Thank you, HelpSpot, for your support of this show and Relay FM. So, Simone, I forgot to tell you. Well, I went to Google yesterday. Well, I went to Google yesterday. Like, you all know what this is like. We have a fan of Rocket come up to you. They're like, oh, I know what I it's love like to show. go to Google. Well, okay. But you know what it's like to have a fan of Rocket and like they talk about it. And usually I'm used to, yeah, I love the show, blah, blah, blah. Christina's awesome. And all this person talked about with me for like five minutes was how much they loved oh, no. your ad reads. And that's oh, all no. they talked about. They, they went through all your greatest hits like Blue Apron help spot and like starting comparing the ones that you do and I'm like yes you are a man that appreciates (laughs) art and I I appreciate that so like going into my trance if we ever did a live show I would probably just catch fire on stage (laughs) like that would be my ad read this episode is sponsored by my screaming charred corpse um (laughs) so okay what i want to talk about right now is christina stroking it yes the touch bar tell us about it tell us about it janet so i mean this is again i think this is something that it was definitely rumored and everybody was excited by it and then everybody saw it and and there's been kind of a backlash um i think in 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 part to the, the 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 touch bar i think it's really cool um I obviously am going to need to spend time with it, and so once I get a review unit, um, I'll, I'll be I'll be doing that. But I mean, I think for for now, just the, the limited time I had in the hands on area, it's a pretty cool. I mean, that's this was kind of my takeaway. I think it's pretty cool. Um, I don't know. This is my take. I think that this is how Apple brings touch to the Mac. 
Um, you know, for years, people have been wanting Touch to come to the Mac. And, and Craig Federighi even said in an interview, I think it was with CNET, because um, CNET got the, the, all, all the big exclusives this time, um, you know, that they've even like had prototypes of, of Touch on the Mac. But it requires a fundamental kind of, you know, rewrite of the operating system if you want to get, you know, your your points correctly. And so, you know, they they prototyped it out. And, and I have to believe them when they said it doesn't end up – being a good experience. And I know that my experience with Windows with Touch has, for the most part, unless it's been Surface where you're in specific apps using a pen, um, you know, drawing or, or, or painting or whatever, um, I think that the Touch on Windows, I personally don't care for it. Um, I feel the exact same way on, on you know, Chrome OS. I, 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 in most cases, don't even use it because um, my finger can't be precise enough. But, you know, we are at a point where I think people do kind of want a little more precision for certain things. And I think that the way Apple brings touch to the Mac is, is what they've done is with this touch bar. Um, weirdly, I will say this. Using the touch bar was the first time I've ever used a Mac where I've actually instinctively, weirdly, while using the touch bar, then reached up and touched the screen. So it was a weird <laughs> kind of thing where I was almost like, you know, using things in the touch bar and then like, oh, I'm going to type up. And I like caught myself in front of the Apple guy. I looked like such a nerd. I was like, I actually know that this is not a touch screen. Um, but it's cool. You know, it replaces the function row. You can default to have, you know, your, your existing kind of function keys always displayed if that's what you wanted instead. And if you hold down on the function key on the keyboard, that'll show all your F keys. But if you just want, you know, to have, you know, your brightness, your volume, um, your, uh, you know, some of your other settings, you can have that set. You can also now customize those things. So, you know, the things that are always kind of indicative, if you wanted to have like a, a mute switch open, or if you wanted to have, you know, um, access, easy access to um, something else, you could have that right there, you know, put music playback or something. Um, there's a touch ID sensor on the bar that doubles as the power button. And that will work with Apple Pay and logging in. And it'll actually work with up to, uh, I think, um, three users and, and five different fingers um, for, for multiple account switching. And it's, so that's still, it's cool. still the thumbprint or is it an index? Yeah. It can be it can be up to you know thumbprint index. It can be whatever kind of oh, finger okay. you oh, want. Oh yeah, you literally so, just said that. It's literally I think it's about across like five five different fingers across three different users. Okay, um, and that's actually really smart. I think of a way of like fast user switching that's recognizing based on your fingerprint. So when I touch it and when you touch it, it'll bring us into different um, you know uh, sessions. That's cool. Um, you know it's customizable and and obviously some app you know it's going to be up to the application developers to take advantage of it. Um, like I, I got to see some demos of of what. Um, Microsoft is done with Excel, and that was pretty interesting where you could have shortcuts to, you know, doing certain chart things, and depending on what actions are on screen will then correspond with what, with what things you see on the touch bar. So, for instance, if you're replying to an email, you could hit, you know, if you're in the, the if you're in mail app and you're just browsing through your inbox, you would see, like, reply buttons and, and compose and, and maybe move to this folder. But once you actually go onto the email itself, then you could press and hold on the reply button and get reply all. And then once you do that and you're actually in composing a new message, the options on the touch bar are different. So it would give you, you know, access to emoji and, and different text formatting things and maybe, you know, some, some other stuff. So it, it can, it can be customized based on what sub menu you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, I was concerned that it would be weird to look down on the keyboard screen and that it would be like, it would be difficult to um, kind of like get a sense of 
you know, is it going to be weird like looking down on the screen while you're trying to do something like looking down the keyboard while you're looking at the screen? Um, it actually felt pretty natural. So I, it, I didn't feel uncomfortable, you know, um, using those actions and like using Final Cut uh, Pro 10 and, and scrubbing oh, they, through video. That was one of the ones that you got to to use. Yeah, I got to use that. And that was really cool, just being able to scrub through the timeline. That was actually more efficient than using even the trackpad or, 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 you know, shortcuts, at least for me, being able to just literally move your finger across and then, you know, stop and zoom in on whatever you needed. That was pretty, that was cool. Were you zooming cool. in on the track or on the uh, touch pad or um, touch I mean, bar? The, you could, you could basically, happened? you could basically kind of like double tap on it, I guess. And then okay. you can, you know, as you're speaking, I'm like, touching my own function row like thinking how would this work for me and on that don't laugh brianna um <laughs> i can touch my function row when i please <laughs> i guess the thing that i that i'm still not totally convinced about is just the reach of it because as i'm sitting with my macbook on my lap like it it feels comfortable to touch that row when i like have it braced on my legs that are kind of bent forward but when it's flat I'm, I find myself arching my wrists in ways that don't feel ergonomic, especially right now as I have like horrible, ridiculous carpal tunnel from overusing my phone because life is fun. I love 2016. So I, I don't know. I'm still not totally sold on the placement of it ergonomically. Aesthetically, yes. Um, yeah. Otherwise, yes, because it is cool that you can customize that row, like that row that we use so so seldomly but when we do use it it's so important um but yeah ergonomically not convinced yeah i mean i think and i think that's a good point i mean i i I didn't get to spend enough time with it i will say that i was worried about it feeling awkward it felt natural okay but i think that that's gonna be it it, i i was shocked but that it felt natural um and and i think that you're right i mean i very infrequently use those function keys i know there are some people who do i use my number keys a lot but i don't use the function keys and that was one thing that kind of i was kind of concerned about at first like they showed the screenshot function i was like oh well that's awesome i was like but i use command shift four and and i and, and then I had to kind of remind myself, like, oh, no, the number keys are still there. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, but but the, the the brightness keys, like, how often do you use that? You know, how often are, are, are you, um, you know, putting things in, um, you know, the, the, they're the two brightness modes, right? There's there's, there's there's brightness and then there's, like, the 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 night mode or whatever like how often do you use those things how i mean everything between the the bright screen brightness and the like volume or audio control keys is like a no man's land to me yeah same (laughs) i mean and i know some people for certain apps obviously have shortcuts and stuff used there but i think a lot of people even pros don't and and so i think that having that customized to do other stuff is really cool and and it's interesting it'll be interesting to see what they open up developers to do because it would be really cool if you could always pin like a certain macro like i would love to see an app like text expander for instance you know a frequent like a a a sponsor of of rocket i would love to see them have something where you could you know touch like just kind of always kind of be persistent where you could so like complications but for the touch bar yeah where, where, where you could exactly where you could like easily access your most used thing. So while you're typing an email, you wouldn't even have to necessarily even type in your couple of, of words. Maybe you could, but you could kind of scroll through and be like, I want to insert this. Because one of the things I use Text Expander for, and a lot of people do, is you can run scripts. And so it would be interesting to be able to kind of scroll through that and be like, oh, I want to do this now. Uh, Keyboard Meister is another app like that. If, if I could instantly kind of go through, you know, things that I access frequently, that would be cool. The Finder, having the go-to function right there, and you can have it set to a certain folder so that literally when you're in Finder, rather than having to do a, a, a key command, which 
maybe it's faster, maybe it's not, be able to tap on a button and have it take you where you want to go and also be able to kind of swap between tabs just by you know, swiping across the top of the touch bar. Um, you know, I mean, it could be gimmicky. It could be cool. I don't really know yet. All I know is my experience with it so far, I was I was like, I, I'm looking forward to to reviewing it for sure. Well, that's cool. I, I'm really excited to get your, your full review on it. I, I'm sure they um, prototyped it out, but it just seems to me like with the touch area towards the bottom of it, you know, like with their, where the touchpad is, I don't understand why they sure. didn't move that down. Like if they're going to get really aggressive with changing the keyboard, it just, sure. yeah, I, maybe I they I tried it and like it just doesn't your work. Hand, yeah. I mean, I guess they could do like resting technology like the Surface has, but your hand moves so frequently between touchpad and keyboard. Like I imagine it would, there would be scraping. Yeah. Well, there is actually already because they've made the touch, they've made the trackpad a lot bigger. The trackpad on the 15 inch, for instance. Oh no, but if the, if the touch bar were down there as well, is what I no, meant. No, I agree. Oh yeah. Oh no. Yeah, I agree. I think I think if the touch bar was down there, I think you would maybe swipe it too too frequently. I I get why it's on top, but I also understand your point, Bree. I don't know. Put it everywhere. Make it a fully customizable keyboard. I don't care. Make it all glass. What do you think, Bree? Because would this be something if 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 say Unity, you know, like introduced some some support for this stuff and some of the tools that you use, would that be something you? Could Think it could be useful for stuff that you would access, or do you see that? Yeah, like in Maya, if you want to go to like alter your UVs, you have to program all the stuff in there. Like, yeah, it's uh, it would be awesome, right? Like, um, especially if you could program specific functions for it, like that would be worth upgrading. What I'm not sold on is, um, you know, reaching over the entire keypad every single time I want to, you know, use some of these keys because, like, you, Simone, I only sure. use it to adjust sound and, um, you know, hit escape. So (laughs) (laughs) escape. (laughs) That's what I do with my touchpad or function keys. I escape. And also I I know that the Vim users are very upset or the Emacs users, or maybe it's Vim. I I don't know. Some of the users are very upset with the lack of escape key because they use that in their, in their key bindings and their tech stuff all the time. I get it. I feel you. That sucks. You can get the, the cheaper MacBook um, and, 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 and max that out. Or, you know, you could move to a real text editor like TextMate too. Just saying. Ooh. Ooh, ooh ouch. It's fired. Burn. All right. Well, we'll be coming back to this topic as the uh, touch bar models of the MacBook Pros come out so that we can play with them. Let's talk about boobs. Simone, real quick before we go into boobs, um, I just wanted to say a couple things about the, the MacBook, uh, the, the cheaper MacBook Pro. Of course, return to the serious I'm topic. I'm sorry. No, we, we, we will be getting into boobs. I just wanted to say... Um, because that's important. We're, we're keeping our show tight. I just want to say the cheaper MacBook Pro, the one that only has two ports and um, the slower RAM, that is an interesting device because it's basically, that's the one that they want to replace the MacBook Air. I've liked it. My review will be up on Gizmodo. You can read it. My real, I guess, um, kind of takeaway with that though is I feel like it's a little bit too expensive. I think that it's still for a lot of people going to be the best Mac that you, that it's, it's the Mac for the average person. I think that it's a better Mac for most people than a MacBook because it's going to be a more powerful processor, a bigger screen. And it's, uh, you know, has two ports. Um, it's more extensible. It's going to actually let you do, you know, more processing stuff like you would want on a machine and it, and it's not dead technology like the MacBook air. Um, and it still remains very lightweight. You know, it's three pounds. It's physically smaller than the existing MacBook Air. It's got all those things going for it. 
I think that for the average person, you know, that it's a better computer than than the MacBook. I just wish that the price wasn't fifteen hundred dollars. I, I think that that unfortunately is going to turn a lot of people off. I think that the the MacBook, even though I think that businesses who issue out MacBook Airs won't have any problem issuing out the new 13-inch MacBook Pro because most of them end up upgrading stuff to them anyway and getting that price to the $1,500 or more mark. Um, and I think that if you're you know, a college student or somebody and you were looking for a machine to take to school, that would probably be completely adequate to do. But I do think that it goes without saying that one of the reasons why the MacBook Air has become so successful is because its starting price was $1,000. And even if you update uh, the MacBook Air that they still sell to the 256 SSD, which is what the, the the baseline MacBook Pro comes with, that still it brings you in at like $1,199. That's still a $300 difference. And I think that that's not insignificant. And that's just sort of my takeaway. I think it's a good machine. I wish that it costs $200 less. Yeah, yeah. I think it's uh, you know, worth adding to Rocket listeners. Like Apple has reduced uh, the cost of SSD upgrades across many of its machines uh, by $100. Maybe it's in response to some of this, but you know, that happened yesterday. So, you know, um, I don't know. I think uh, I'm eager to see where it goes next generation. Like, I think it'll go down a bit. So, cool. I hope so. Let's talk about boobs. Boobs. Yes. God. So this is a very interesting Guardian article pointing out a trend, a late, a trend in fashion lately. Uh, high cleavage, pressed together, compacted cleavage is out. Out. The natural fall of the breast well, is in. Well, the nat- sort of the natural fall of the breast. If you, yeah, well, because because the article kind of made it clear that you know it, it's it's this is all with starlets who are you know no longer doing the push up bras and and on the red carpet there you know, kind of going more all natural. But of course, many people in Hollywood, and I'm not judging this. In fact, I, I often think about doing this myself, even though I don't need it for size reasons, have had augmentation, which means that they don't need bras because their boobs just naturally are perky. So they can go with a with a bralette and whatnot. Um, I think that for regular people, it's a little different going on natural because the look, let's <laughs> say, the way it drapes is different. Yeah, I don't know. The I thought this was dress. really interesting. Like, I've never, I've seen stuff go in and out of fashion, like, you know, clunky shoes or you know, certain kind of tops. I've never seen boobs, like, pronounced out of fashion by Vogue. Um, so <laughs> I definitely yeah. see it now that I've read this, it totally makes it sense. Because if you look at fashion history, there's always been a part of the body that is very exciting at a certain time period, like, Think about um, in the 1930s, it was the back. There were all those backless gowns and things like that. Very, oh, so exciting. And now we have mm-hmm. crop tops. Crop tops are super in right now. So you can't it's have stomach. cleavage and a crop top at the same time. That does not work. You would be wearing a, a, an elastic band around your boobs. You'd be wearing a bikini um, top, basically. So, yeah. Yeah. Boobs go out. Crop tops come in. And we have to to show off our, our, our sweet stomachs. Yeah, no, but it's really interesting too. If you, if, why did I say? I don't it? know, but it's interesting too. If you look at like all the models that are really popular on Instagram, and like a lot of them aren't known for being voluptuous, you know, and 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 they're they're, but but that even goes back and forth, right? But like even the Victoria's Secret show, like they announced like what models are walking, you know, in in the in the Victoria's Secret show this year, and obviously they always give the major push up and whatnot, but like these are girls. You know, Gigi Hadid, you know, Bella Hadid, Carly Kloss, you know, Kendall Jenner, 
they are not voluptuous women at all. And that's really interesting that they're still like, you know, like they're not the the, the, the Giselles or, or the, you know, Alessandro Ambrosius, who is still an angel and, and, and those types of people like they, they aren't known for having that sort of thing. So it's I think I, I hadn't thought about it either Simone, until I read the article. And I was like, oh, actually, kind of the trends of what we saw with, you know, spring um, fashion week that just finished um, New, York, New York Fashion Week and some of the other ones but for the spring summer stuff was, you know, way less. I, you, you didn't really see any cleavage and that's interesting yeah works out for me personally as a person who looks great in crop tops but now fashion what you gonna do about it i don't know um yeah yep. I, I i i i'm happy to see all kinds of boobs like big ones <laughs> small ones and you know like I, I i was a bit disturbed by some of the headlines i thought were you know kind of a little body shaming i mean we see this in the video game industry right simone where you know a woman with you know big boobs is automatically coded as a sex symbol and you know that's not fair to some women that just you know yeah. They, they exist that way, right? Um, so I thought, like, the Guardian talking, what was their analogy? Like, a pair of, like, cream puffs popped up or whatever? Yeah. Like, cream I'm buns like, do not make a subtle statement. Yeah, um, I'm like, I agree with the point. I think the analogy is maybe a little crude yeah, for my yeah, taste. That was, yeah. That um, was a little, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, so what are you going to um, do about it? you got to put them somewhere, right, honestly. Right, that's right. kind of like something yeah. Simone would say. Yeah. It actually really does. <laughs> but approvingly. Yes. <laughs> approvingly. Always approvingly. Oh gosh, what are we up to this week? Brianna, what are what are you doing for so, the rest of the week? So, um, hmm, I am hoping that I'm going to be going uh to cover Hillary Clinton on election night and uh Woo! being able to uh see that in person uh at the press pool. So, I'm hoping that will um I'm hoping to be doing that. So, uh, I pushed my surgery off for my throat by a week and I'm going to be going to New York either way. So, excited Woo! about that. All right. Yeah. Yay. And Christina, um, so um, you should be able to read my my MacBook uh, Pro review without the touch bar. That'll be up um, as this episode is up. And um, yeah, I've got some other review things that I'm working on, some other longer term projects, and then just you know day to day news stuff. So, yay! Uh, I'm doing the usual, making a lot of videos. I got to unbox the NES Classic today <gasps> on Facebook, yay! which is great. Okay, tell me about it. Mine was sent to someone else. Oh. No, so it was addressed to someone else. So I'm already dealing with Nintendo on it. But tell me about this. Yeah. Oh my god, it's so okay, it's ridiculous first of all. It it they say in the advertising, yeah, it's supposed to fit in the palm of your hand. It literally does. It literally is about the size of my hand. I have an average sized hand. I cannot um, wait. And it feels like nothing. Like I I think uh my iPhone 6s is heavier than the the NES Classic. I'm, I'm holding wow. it right now, and I'm very, very certain of that. It's so light. It feels like air. It feels like plastic. Um, I mean, it is plastic, but it feels like just like an, a shell of plastic. But uh, we played a few games on it. Um, they look really good. There was some weird artifacting, like, on the edges of the game as we were playing it. I'm not sure if that is something that was in the original games or if it's an effect of whatever they did to it or emulate it on this console they have not disclosed exactly what technology they're using to do this um and it is one solid block of plastic like it they make it look like it opens up but there's absolutely zero openings on it whatsoever you know it doesn't take any kind of external device it doesn't connect to the internet it's literally just like two ports to plug controllers into hdmi power cord 
you're done. Like that is it. It's it's really simple and I guess super elegant in that in the in its simplicity, but also like Ugh, the cord for it's corded controllers only so you can't play with a cordless controller and the cord is so freaking short so it kind of made me feel like you're they're literally emulating that like 1985 i'm gonna sit on my floor in front of my tv and play old video games experience um but i do think it is a good value uh pat uh who i unboxed it with pointed out that this seems like the perfect gift because it's fifty nine ninety nine, thirty classic NES games, like some of which you cannot get um, in the eShop because they've never been ported for the Wii or the Wii U. Um, so in that way, it is a really good deal. I personally, it's not for me just because I don't play those games. But um, definitely, if there are things that you're missing that you want to be able to play, like with our modern, you know, as easy as hooking something up to your TV via HDMI, yes, awesome. I I guess I would say this about it. Um, You know, game design is something that has evolved, right? Like, we know more about what makes a good game today than we did in 1980. Um, And I think, um, yeah, I've gone a really big retro kick lately. Um, And I have all the systems that exist now. Um, And I think if you compare the NES games to the Super Nintendo games... Uh, the Super Nintendo games are much better as yes. um, games. And the consequence of that is as much as I want to buy this Nintendo classic system, because it does have a few gems in there I don't personally Super own. Super Mario Brothers 3! I think the thing that really gives me pause is so many of those games, you need the Game Genie for it to be really enjoyable and to get through it. Mm. Um, I think like the uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game... That's on the system, isn't it, Simone? Or am I mistaken about that? I believe there is no Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Okay, on I it. remember looking at the playlist, and there were some games on there. How about Super Contra? Right, like this is a really, yes. really hard yes, game C to is get on there, through yeah. with only ten lives. So um, I'm really hesitant to recommend this system to someone for those games because you can't. Um, they're so punishing, right? They're brutal. But yeah, you know, like you said, Christina, Super Mario Three is great. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that, I mean, Atari, I mean, what Nintendo is doing here is not new. Atari had their, um, yeah. you know, Atari fl- um, uh, flashback uh, systems uh, for a long time. And actually, the, the second generation one, which I still have, was the best one because it included the Activision games like Pitfall, um, which the other ones didn't. But um, I, I don't know. For 70 bucks, I, yeah. I'm buying yeah, one. Yeah, uh, my, yeah. my, I will find the one they address. $60. For $60, I'm buying one. Um I, I with you, Brie, I think that the SNES had superior games. Um and, and I also think that it's interesting, especially with multiplayer stuff, to see just how, you know, uh primitive things were, you know, having to take turns and, and, and there were there were limited things that you could actually play on screen at the same time. Um, you know, you obviously could with some things like punch out and and for, for for Mario Brothers, not Super Mario Brothers, but um, you know, but 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 like cooperative or, or even versus play is 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 obviously more limited. But um, I mean, I don't know. For me, as like a nostalgia-loving retro gamer, I just I can't wait to uh, get my hands on it. So I'm glad you got to get yours unboxed. Um, it, ours was sent to the wrong person. So I can't I'm, believe that it was addressed to the wrong person. So I'm hoping it's in our office. And if it's in our office, then I'll be 
I'll be playing with it tomorrow. So All can right, I I'll can I give these. one more plug out there? There's another people yeah. that have come out with a um they they wanted to make a reference version of the Nintendo. It's called the Analog. Um, you can look at it, it's the Twitter handle Analog underline uh, co, and it is um it's a reference level NES, and it works with any accessory from the era, um, Game oh, Genie. Cool. Anything. It is really, really expensive at four hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. So it, that thing's awesome, but it's so expensive. Yeah, it's awesome. It's so expensive. I know at some point I'll give in and buy it. The same way I know at some point I'll buy that Neo Geo. You know the the re, yeah. redone Neo Geo. I know, and, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. Um, to be honest, I feel that HDMI is an overrated feature for this. I feel like watching it through the, you know, the cable port or the, you know, AV cable port, I think it's part of the charm, the distortion of the era. Yeah. So, well, that's yeah. why I think yeah. it's cool. They have the, the different, C- they have the CRT mode. I'm mostly excited about the pixel perfect mode though. Um, did, did you get to play with it, Simone? Like when you, did you, I believe, I think we were just playing in four by three. Um, but yeah, there's the pixel perfect mode, which turns it turns every pixel into a, a square and uh, emulates. They they say it emulates most closely, like what the original, what it looked like originally. Again, and I am I could catch flack for this. I literally don't care. <laughs> Ooh, Simone, <laughs> my words. God, Simone. I could not care less about. <sighs> I mean. I, I played some of these games growing up. I didn't play most of them growing up because I did not have this console growing up. Um, but I'm young. I, we get it. Yeah. You I'm a baby. You don't know how good Super Mario 2 is. That is the underrated game that no one appreciates See, enough. I, yeah. yeah, I I don't even appreciate the Lost Level. I mean, Lost Levels I appreciate it actually more, but Super Mario really? 2, is, uh, Lost Levels I like better. Um, really? Oh my I God, did, Christina. Yeah. I like I liked Lost Levels better. Oh. I like the Japanese better. I gotta say, Mario's Ooh. Dream Factory or whatever they called it, whatever the, the the name was in Japan for for Mario Two, was not a huge fan of that game ever. Um, especially, I don't know, I don't know. I, you know why? Because Peach is just such, such weak sauce in that game. She really is. She's oh. terrible. Oh, well, in the interest oh. of preservation, I appreciate this a lot because it means. I mean, these games are still oh. around. Uh, you don't, and, oh, yeah. and and I think you can't understate the importance of being able to buy them legally oh, rather no, than going I, through emulators or or having to even go through emulators. You know, on like virtual console, like somebody on YouTube um, had one a while back and like did a comparison between Mario Three, which is my favorite video game of all time, Whoa. and. Um, like Mar- Super Mario Brothers, I think it's just because I was like six when it came out, and like it's a very important game to me for a lot of reasons. But um, that, um, like, they they showed like the the Wii U, like the Virtual Console version versus mm-hmm. the one on the NES Mini, and it looked. I mean, it's night and day difference. Like, it looks so good on the NES yeah. Mini. Like, they've done a really terrific job. Um, you know, making the colors bright and making everything really just not look fuzzy and weird. And so I think you're right. A, the legal aspect and B, just the fact that this is not like, it doesn't seem like it's a half-assed emulator job. Like it looks like they've actually mm-hmm. taken time to do it. My one regret, and I think this is everybody's complaint about it. And, and for the price, I'm not going to get too upset about it. But honestly, they could have charged another 40 bucks, put in an SD card and put in an internet connection and let people download more more ROMs. Yeah, well, you know, hey Nintendo, take it from us. Uh, what? I, so yeah, that back to what I'm doing this week. <laughs> that was pretty much it. Uh, I'm gonna go to sleep now. Yep. Um, okay. where can we find you online, Brianna? Um, you can see me on Twitter, where I can still say things. So we'll go there. Hey, for um, the next month. Yes. 
Yes. Uh, um, Twitter, oh my God, Space you guys, by the next time, I mean, sorry, Brianna, you won't be here next week, but by the next time we record Rocket, no, this election week. will be over. It'll be the week oh, you after are here next that. Week. Oh, yeah, because oh, yeah, your surgery is pushed back. Duh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have a new president. Oh, Thank God. The election will be over. Thank I mean, God. we'll still have our old president for like a couple months, but we won't have to think about the election anymore. It's Thank, God. Thank God. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Really great. Yep. Okay, and sorry, you were going, you were just saying where we could find you besides Twitter. I'm on Space Cackle and Twitter, so just go there. Cool. Christina? You can find me at film underscore girl on the Twitters and uh, the Snapchats, the Instagrams, all that. And you can find my writing at gizmoto.com. Yay, you can find me on Twitter at Doom Quasar. You can find me at YouTube.com slash Polygon. You can find me in my grave next week after the election is over because <laughs> I will finally be dead. If you like this episode, please open up iTunes right now and give it a little rating. Give it a little uh, review and get a little something, something. Um, and thank you so much for listening. Uh, this episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.